0: Hey there, you're listening to the Creating Your Success Plan podcast. We're all about helping women advance their careers by providing content designed to mentor, coach, and motivate you to step into your power and achieve your highest aspirations. This is Janice Leamy, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Success Tribe series. Today, I'll be speaking with Kathleen Purley. Now, Kathleen was featured in Creating Your Success Plan, where she gave insights on the first section and added her own guidance and tips to the second section. I'm thrilled to be talking with Kathleen today. She's one of my absolute favorite people, and I'm looking forward to what she'll share. So to start, please share an introduction of yourself and where you are in your career as a successful business owner, Kathleen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am the founder of Deco Digital. We're a digital advertising agency in Houston. Um, And in my career right now, I'm, I'm at, um, I guess, more of a manager leadership position. And when I have about 35 employees, and so now it's really interesting, because it's, you know, not only managing my own team, but helping other managers manage their teams and kind of guiding them on on how to kind of really develop their leadership skill set.
0: Right. That's a whole different layer, right?
1: Yes, it is. It's a a balance, you know, you know, trying to let people really explore what their leadership style looks like. And sometimes it's hard because it might not be how I would do it. Um, And so oftentimes it's really hard to kind of give them, you know, enough rope to do it the way that their leadership style dictates, but also kind of some parameters to ensure that certain things are being done and that the entire team is able to grow and develop as well.
0: Right. Yeah. It's amazing to me how many really good top performers you have on your team. And I know that if you ever make one of those not so great hiring decisions, you correct it pretty quickly. That's something I admire about you.
1: Yeah. uh, Hiring is probably the hardest part of my job. And I think it's, you know, a crapshoot most of the time. And, you know, and I think, you know, I'm just very fortunate that we've had some really good talent. And I think, you know, you just got to know that sometimes you're not going to make the right hire and you just got to, correct that as quickly as possible for, you know, company culture and, and clients really kind of feel the, the pain of it.
0: Yeah. And where you're at with clients that you have to serve, that's even more important because, you know, the client doesn't have to
1: stay with you, right? Right. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I think it
0: would be interesting to hear about some of the challenges you faced early in your career. I know you originally thought about going in a different direction, right? And I'm sure there are a lot of women who have those same struggles as well.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the interesting things, and um, I've had the opportunity to speak to a lot of young leaders and um, young scholars, and I've been asked, you know, and oftentimes when they ask me questions about, you know, how did you get to where you are today, you know, oftentimes it's really by chance or by accident. And, you know, I initially thought I was going to go to law school, um, actually ended up getting swine flu and and had to um, postpone my, my LSAT, and so ended up having to Find an interim solution until I could kind of sit for the bar. I mean, sit for the LSAT. Um, And so, ended up working overseas for about a year, um, doing some research in linguistics, and thought maybe this is the right path, and I'd be a professor. Um, I moved home, um, and actually had like a six month window between when my PhD program would start um, and when I got home, and my mom who I lived with at the time because I had to move back in, she mandated that if I lived under her roof, I had to have a job and that she didn't really care what it was, but I had to have one Um, and was able to, through a network of friends and family, um, got a job at a car dealership um, doing digital advertising. Um, and I had no clue, no background, um, but I figured it would be a six-month stint, and what's the worst that could happen is I'd get fired, <laughs> um, but wasn't going to, you know, need the job for long, and, and actually really fell in love with it. Um, and it's through that experience that I really got to identify, like, what really makes me tick, and I think it's the creative problem-solving that digital marketing and advertising allows. And so I think it's really, you know, sometimes you have a plan and sometimes things get in the way. And I think if you open yourself up to every opportunity, um, you might be surprised as to like where it takes you.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, it's interesting because I talk with women about creating their success plans based on a 10 year period of time. And some of them are really intimidated about thinking that far ahead. So with some of them, I just advise perhaps think about five years instead, or even go for 10 years and realize that things can and probably will change along that path and that's okay. Some of the best careers have shifted gears along the way, but having that plan just really pushes you to take the next step as you're navigating your career.
1: Absolutely. I think that plan just helps. And I think, you know, the times where I've pushed myself to put together a plan or identify what I really want, I really found that I've been able to push myself and achieve what I've put out there. Um, I remember I was must've been 22, 23 at the time, I was working with a life coach and he was like, what do you want? And I was like, I want to be able to afford my own car. (laughs) And he was like, what's your dream car? And I was like, I want an Audi. And he was like, all right, let's put that down. And I was like, that's so ridiculous. I'm making $28,000 a year. Like I can barely, I can't even move out of my parents' house, um, let alone afford a fancy car. And, um, you know, within, I want to say it was like two years, I was at a place in my career where I could do that. And it's just one of those funny things that I felt like finally putting it out there. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to actually make it happen.
0: You know, it's interesting if we just let ourselves stretch a bit and dream a little farther past what seems practical. The universe just has a way of making these things happen. If we just believe they can, it's pretty powerful when you harness that kind of energy. And it sounds like you learned how to do that in your twenties, which is wonderful.
1: Yeah. which is It was crazy.
0: Of course, that life coach pushed you to do it, which was kind of nice, too.
1: Yes, absolutely. Let's talk a
0: bit about some of the lessons you may have learned from past supervisors. What helped shape your leadership style, which is amazing, by the way, (laughs) from both a positive and perhaps not so positive perspective?
1: Yeah, And I I really appreciate you saying that. You know, I think as a leader, one of the things that I always will say to all my employees is that a leadership skill is something that you continually develop. Um, there are things that I continue to work on, whether it's, you know, asking questions um, rather than getting, you know, providing an answer or kind of really hearing people out a little bit more. And um, so I think that's something that definitely develops over time. And I think one of the interesting things is my leadership style has evolved from both kind of maybe negative and positive experiences. And so I would say to everyone out there who has, you know, you know, a bad boss or a difficult boss. And, um, you know, there are great things that you can learn from them too. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's not necessarily what to do, but sometimes what not to do, because you know how it made you feel. Um, and I think also sometimes um, hindsight's twenty twenty. So there are some things that I look back on um, with some previous bosses. And now having a team of 35 employees, I now understand a little bit more as kind of the direction that that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was really helpful. And I think if you always remember, um, you know, at the end of the day, for a lot of people, especially when you're an owner of a company, this isn't their baby. Well, it might be your baby. It isn't their baby. Um, and so understanding that and setting expectations realistically based on that, I think is so important because you don't want to set anybody up to fail from that perspective. Um, And you always have to remember that they have a life outside of work. And so kind of keeping that in mind, because you want to have happy and healthy people um, working with you. And then I think the other, yeah, and I think the other thing from a leadership standpoint, um, that I've really grown a lot of skills from is Gavin Marks, who's my number two at the agency. and, And we worked together previously at another place. And um, he was my peer, and he really taught me a lot, and I will say that he is probably one of the best managers and leaders I've seen, um, and it, it comes out in every kind of exit interview that we've ever done or performance review, um, mm-hmm. and so I think, you know, not only does your boss have an opportunity or your manager or supervisor to kind of really help you learn some of those leadership skills, but also look to your peers. And um, There are a lot of people who do it very well and, and kind of ask them questions, and You know, I'll have conversations with Gavin and say, you know, like, hey, I feel like I'm having a hard time like cutting through on this. And then I don't feel like I'm being heard or I don't know if I'm taking the right approach. Um, And I'll actually ask him to kind of listen in to a couple of those conversations and provide me some feedback.
0: Yeah, it's great to have a partner like that. Gavin's exceptional.
1: It is. It's really amazing.
0: Yeah, definitely not a given. You know, one thing I would advise women to do if they have the right kind of relationship with their supervisor is to ask questions about the way they handle things. If you think you might have handled a situation a little bit differently, you might ask her why she did what she did. One example that comes to mind from my own career is an instance where I had to address someone pretty aggressively about something that hadn't gotten done, and I I did it around some of her peers. And then one of the managers that worked with me at that time came up to me later and said, you know, you really shouldn't have done that that way. You shouldn't have done that in front of her peers. So that really gave me the opportunity to explain that that was the fourth time I'd asked the person to do that specific thing, and now it was past the deadline. And while that wasn't something I necessarily wanted to do, I felt like I had to really make my point. So there may be things your supervisor does that you wouldn't, or understanding why, can help you learn and grow, you know, can also help your supervisor reflect and and maybe improve as well. As a matter of fact, I thought about that instance a few times after that manager had talked to me about it. Um, still feel like I did the right thing. If I had to do it all over again, might I do it a little differently? Perhaps, but certainly take into perspective what how that might have made others feel in that situation.
1: I think that's great advice. Actually, I I had a conversation with one of my directors recently. Um, And I think it's, uh, Brene Brown always says, you know, filling in the narrative and and that Mm -hmm. people sometimes when you talk about A and C and D, they'll fill in what B should be. And, you know, we had a situation in the office where, you know, some, I noticed like morale was a little weird and things are a little off. and, And so I was having a conversation with my directors and I was like, what's going on? And she was like, well, we heard that this and this and this happened and you did this. And I was like, well, I was like, i appreciate you bringing this to my attention because you know quite frankly that's not what happened and I was able to explain you know kind of you know this individual who was on vacation who I asked to do something was because she requested to work on it Um, and that she and I actually had a conversation before she left Um, and that's why I told the AE to reach out to her wasn't because I wanted to bother her on her vacation but it was a big opportunity for her to grow and she really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of the team was filling in the blanks that I was, you know, making people work on vacations and I was, you know, and so I think, you know, oftentimes, you know, when something seems off or weird, I think it's great to ask your supervisor some questions. And I think posing it from the standpoint of, hey, help me understand, or, hey, I don't want to fill in the blanks, so please help me understand kind of how you got to this decision. because um, I think sometimes... You know, you just don't know the full story.
0: Oh, exactly. That's such a good reference point. Brene Brown. I'll plan to add some links to her work in the community. She's so great about pointing out, you know, you're making up a story right now. (laughs) And it might not be really based on anything factual. And getting to the truth is so important for effective communication and understanding and growing for that matter. So next, I'd like to talk about the importance of networking. I know you value networking, given the business that you've built. Talk a bit about that, say how you do it and what advice you would give women.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think networking is so crucially important. And, you know, I think one of the things I always tell women is don't be afraid to ask for the conversation, um, whether it's reaching out via LinkedIn or email or through a network of other friends of a friend. I think it's so important. And um, I actually recently had that experience. I was struggling after maternity leave to figure out how to balance everything. and. Um, reached out to another female agency owner in town on a whim. And I was talking to a friend beforehand and I was like, oh, I don't know, like she, she like, she's not give me the time of day. She has, you know, hundreds of employees. They have national, big national accounts. Um, and so, and my friend was like, just do it. If she doesn't respond, who cares? Um, and so I reached out and, and actually within 48 hours, um, she responded and we had lunch. Mm -hmm. Um, the next week and so she was really great about that and I think you know I'm so grateful for her to that Mm -hmm. opening up her time because it really helped me during a time where I was kind of struggling and trying to figure out what to do to really kind of say hey this will pass and you're just really sleep deprived and you know just stick with it and do not make a decision for at least a year and and she was really able to give me really great advice and And it's really interesting because I think, I mean, we're competitors in the market in a way. And and I think, you know, it's really interesting that some women don't see it as a competitive environment. It's really about, you know, there's enough pie out there for all of us to win. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated her approach to that. Um, And so I think that's part of it. And I think another thing is, you know, every time you leave a networking event, ask who do you think would be beneficial for me to talk to next? Um, Can you think of two individuals that you'd be willing to connect me with? Um, And that's always helped me kind of like really grow that network because when people are sitting down talking and whether, when I've had people come talk to me, I'm always like, oh, I know three other people that would be perfect for you to talk to. Let me connect you with them. Um, And so I think just making sure you ask for it and then follow up and ask for some other connections at the end.
0: Yes, it can also be about getting yourself out there and perhaps outside of your comfort zone. It's like your friend said, what's the worst thing that can happen, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that's so true. I mean, you mentioned getting out of your comfort zone. And I, <laughs> I will say, like, if you're on listening to this and you're like, oh, my God, I hate networking more than anything. or going to networking events. And I'm right there with you. It's not something I really enjoy either. Um, <laughs> but I think half the battle is showing up. And once you're able to get yourself there, you know, sometimes I'll be like, I'm just going to go. I'm going to make myself go. And I'm going to. I'll give myself 20 minutes. And if I just can't do it after 20 minutes, I can leave. Mm And, and nine times out of 10, I end up staying like three hours and like closing the place down because I've made so many good connections that I've really (laughs) enjoyed my time. And so I think, you know, don't, you know, I know sometimes it's kind of tough to go and sometimes it's kind of not something you naturally want to do, but you know, half the battle showing up.
0: Yes, exactly. I wonder what percent of the population actually likes networking, right?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no idea. I always, and it's one of those funny things. I used to do conference marketing all the time. And so, like, all I would do is networking at those conferences. And I used to, like, just dread doing it. And every time I was there, I would, like, love it. And I would just be on this, <laughs> like, hi. And, you know, just so excited or whatever. And so, it's one of those funny things. Like, I think it's, I don't know anybody that actually loves like the lead up to it at all.
0: Right. Yeah. So if that's you out there listening, you're not alone. Or if you do love networking, maybe you could build a business around that.
1: Yes, absolutely. Or give me a call or email. I guess we can be able to make something work.
0: You know, part of what you just talked about with motherhood and being pregnant at work, returning to work after maternity leave, that kind of thing, you know, we often call that pregnant brain (laughs) as women get a little scattered while their bodies are doing pretty amazing things, growing a child. So it can really take a toll on your bandwidth when you're expecting. And then getting back into the workforce can be a challenge too. Any advice you might have for women thinking ahead about becoming pregnant and how that might impact their work lives?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a few things. Um, one would be there's never a perfect time to have a kid. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you always, like, I was, like, trying to plan it out perfectly. And, you know, like, I kept being like, "One, well, one more year, decode will be really stable, and then one more year. And, you know, obviously um, that did not happen for me at all. And, and so I think, you know, know that there's no perfect time to have a child. Um, and then I think the second thing that a friend gave me advice on that was really helpful is, I think it really takes a strong partner um, for a woman to have a career. Um, and whether that partner is a nanny, your husband, um, a grand like a grandparent that lives locally, I think it's really important to have that strong relationship. And, you know, one of the things my husband and I did before we got pregnant was had a real conversation about what did that look like um, and kind of setting some of those expectations ahead of time and you know my husband initially was like well we can do daycare and things will work perfectly and you know as we're both business owners I said what happens if we both have a big business meeting and the kids sick? Would and we can't take him to daycare who then has to stay home right um and so he was like well I'm not gonna stay home and i was like well it's rude for you to assume that I am and, and so when <laughs> we made that decision at that time to that we were gonna hire a nanny. Um, because it was important for both of our careers to have that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, like, definitely have those conversations sooner rather than later. And one of my friends, which I didn't go to this depth, wrote down a list of like every single thing that she did um, mm-hmm. and everything that her husband did. And then they reevaluated kind of a breakout. Um, and they talked about who was doing night shifts. I mean, you become so sleep deprived um, <laughs> during those first couple months that you know, it can't be all, all in one person. Um, And even if you're breastfeeding, having your husband get up and at least, you know, like get the baby ready, change the diaper, then get you there and then take the baby. As soon as you finish, change the Mm -hmm. diaper, put them down, rock them back to sleep so that you can go straight back to sleep, even is helpful. So I think just kind of outlining some of those things and know that like, it's not easy at all. Um, But I found going back to work gave me so much more of my sanity back. Mm-hmm. um and I love my son dearly and I'm I'm like uh, so in love with him but you know I think I'm such a better mom because I am able to work um and I think all women are different and and for me like I think effort will do so much better <laughs> with me at work um and I will too because I think a happy mom makes a happy family and so yeah. whatever you can do to make yourself feel fulfilled and and kind of moving on all cylinders and know that it's going to take time and give yourself that grace to kind Mm -hmm. of get back in the group.
0: Exactly. I know when I had our daughter, I took about 13 years and focused on her. And of course, I wasn't a business owner. So it's probably a lot easier for me to do that than it would be for you. But it kind of made my career more like a job during those years. And I'm so glad I took the time with her and did the Girl Scout troop leader thing, exposed her to dance, horseback riding, gymnastics, you know, even the violin. I wouldn't trade those years for anything, but if I did have a success plan in place during that time, I think I would have kept an eye on the career ball, so to speak, a little more and perhaps made different decisions about my professional life, you know, along the way. It's something women really have to think about. And I know there are a lot of men out there who are willing to to be sort of stay at home dads, but motherhood really is something we have to consider and plan for as women. It's definitely something that makes us different than men.
1: Yeah. And I was very fortunate. My mom worked her whole life. And so having that role model, I think was really helpful. Um, And I think, you know, the other thing is, and it's interesting, it's something I see oftentimes in like a pattern in my career, you know when I went to get work for the digital automotive agency, like I didn't have a choice. I had to get a job and it was in the recession. So that was the only job that would hire me. Um, and so I took it and, and, you know, when, after I had my son, my husband's career hadn't really taken off. And so from a finance standpoint, like I had to go back to work. I didn't have a choice to stay home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, oftentimes I, you know, you would think that that would be a negative, but it was almost. benefit because there was not a lot of guilt about it because I had to provide for my family Um, and so I think that was really helpful
0: yeah for sure and I love your advice on finding a partner it doesn't necessarily have to be your spouse it could be a nanny or a relative but planning ahead for that is really smart
1: yeah I think that's it is and treat them so well like literally (laughs) my husband jokes because I like treat our nanny like a god like I give her two weeks paid vacation I bring her home treats I let her go early I pay her for days that, like when I stay home I say I pay her for the whole week even if she doesn't work the whole week I was like she's our most valuable asset and you know <laughs> I want to make sure we keep her and she's great and she loves her son and we need to keep her happy
0: yeah smart women now let's talk about some of the guidance you offered in the book I'm looking at it right now. You suggested keeping a question section during meetings, doing research prior to asking questions and signing up for industry specific newsletters. Talk a little bit about that and any other guidance you'd like to share regarding navigating your career.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a couple things. So, you know, one of them you know, when I started off in the automotive digital marketing space, um, I had no background, obviously. And one of my first tasks was to program a website. Um, and. I told my boss, I was like, well, I I don't know how to do it. he's like, well, figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I asked him another question, and he sent me a, let me Google that for you (laughs) link that showed me how to Google it and then click the following links and read. Um, And so that's kind of like where I learned how to do my research. You know, I had a boss who, you know, good, I think actually long-term for me, really kind of threw me at the deep end and said, figure it out. Um, And I think that really helped me grow my skill set Um, And so I think that's really important. I think, you know, supervisors and managers really respect those members that come to their office and say, hey, I have this issue, but I've done my research, and I'm thinking we should go with this approach, and this is why. Do you agree? Um, Because, you know, when you look at a supervisor or a boss, you know, we're getting peppered with thousands of questions a day. Um, and you're constantly pivoting. And so when you have that person come into your office and say, hey, I've done my research, and this is what I think I should do, and this is why, whether or not it's the right approach, then going through that process is such like a (laughs) a win moment for everybody, you know, because you know that, hey, I'm not – it's the idea of the parable, like you can give somebody a fish or teach them how to fish. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of that same thought process. And then I think the second thing is, you know – that note section and i'll give an example so when i was we, i transitioned from automotive and i started my own agency i was doing a lot of work in healthcare, and actually with you janice and i would sit in these meetings and these acronyms <laughs> would be thrown around all the time about you know the ed or the T, the taver or the gird or you know and there were things that i didn't know but I, you know and i didn't necessarily want to ask the question and so literally every single meeting i had a i to draw a column down my sheet of paper and I would have a note section or question section and I'd write down all the acronyms or things that were discussed that I had no idea what they meant. Um, and then I would go home after the meeting and then really kind of look into it and kind of Google around and stuff. And then I would always add, you know, like, what does ED mean as it pertains to healthcare? And then I learned, oh, emergency department mm-hmm. um, and things of that nature. And, and then if I couldn't figure it out, I at least had a shortened list to come back and say like, hey, when we last talked, you mentioned there was this acronym that was thrown out and um, I tried to do some research on it, but I couldn't figure out what it meant. Um, And so I think that was really helpful because, you know, you don't necessarily want to ask a bunch of questions in a meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important to ask the right questions in meetings. Um, Mm -hmm. But oftentimes just jotting down on one side of your paper, like here are all my notes of what's happening and then here are the things that I'm like, I have no idea what that means. I need to look into that. I need to look into that. I think it's so important.
0: Yep. that's really great advice. It can be really annoying for someone to constantly interrupt a meeting and ask, what's that? What does that mean? You know, it actually points out how much you don't know, which is not really what you want to do in certain settings, right? <laughs> so it's important to, to gain that knowledge, but perhaps maybe not in the middle of a meeting.
1: Right. And you don't necessarily want to throw everything off or just you know, like derail. And sometimes even with like, even today, I'll be saying I was you know, working with a, a law firm, which I haven't worked with for a long time, and, you know, some acronyms are getting, and, you, and you're getting them on the right track, and so they're telling you everything you need to know, and so you don't want to, like, derail them to ask, like, so, like, what do you mean by that? And so you kind of, like, take your notes, and then, you know, the next meeting, you know, you're following up and saying, like, hey, like, and sometimes I would send back action items after meetings, and so being able to say, like, oh, and, like, a question I had was, and so tying in at that point is also helpful.
0: Yes. And you also suggested subscribing to industry specific newsletters and taking a few hours each month to do a deep dive into that content and stay current in your field.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, when you look at career today and, and and I will say like both Gavin and myself, and Gavin, as I mentioned, is my number two, like neither of us, neither one of us are like I would all say, like classically trained in, in marketing and advertising. You know, we've really learned kind of through doing and self-teaching. And so you know, with technology advancing as quickly as it does, you know, being able to stay on top of industry news is so important. And I think it really allows you to get a bigger picture. Um, I also think it helps, especially if you're kind of newer in your career, it helps you elevate a conversation, whether it be with a client, a supervisor or a manager, it really kind of helps you take it kind of to the next level and shows that interest and curiosity. And, um, you know, even the other day we were looking at, you know, there's a lot of conversations around like voice activated search with the Alexas and uh, Google Home products and kind of how that is going to work into, let's say, the healthcare industry and when, what that's going to be looking like in the future. And, you know, it's interesting, one of my um, employees brought it to me and initially kind of made a joke of it, like, hey, like the client wants a voice activated search, you know, use, search user friendly website. And, you know, I told them that was that was silly. And I was like, well, like, we you done your research Have you looked into it. And so I was able to kind of pull some studies for her to see. And I was like, actually, the client is thinking in the right direction. And that is something we really need to do a deeper dive on as mm-hmm. an agency. And so I think, you know, staying on top of industry news will really kind of help you progress your career, and um, both from an internal perspective, but also it allows you to have great conversations when you go to interviews or networking events. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of that, but I'll say like your cocktail chatter as well, you know, kind of serves that piece too.
0: Exactly. That's so important and such great advice. Thanks. So lastly, I'd love for our listeners to learn more about decode and the kind of culture you've built and really kind of how you grew from one person to now 35. And what is it that you want your team members to feel when they come to work each day? And how do you go about making that happen?
1: Yeah, I think you know one of the things that we did as an agency about two years ago was develop our why statement and why we here are here to exist. And I think you know one of the things after working at a, a several other agencies was I really wanted to remove the smoke and mirrors um, mm. and really create a transparent digital agency that can work with clients. You know, it's you know there is you know the ability to have conversations about accurate and. Um, cost per acquisitions and talk about the rising cost of a, a cost per click on certain keywords and say, you know what, we trusted out this campaign and we thought it was going to work. And, you know, quite frankly, display is not moving much for you on this campaign. So we're going to, sh- we recommend shifting it to social. And so we really wanted to kind of remove the soga mirrors and then really to kind of develop this partnership with our clients to really help them navigate um, what oftentimes is a very complex world. Um, And so I think, you know, wanting to establish that as an agency, it needed to start first internally. And so being able to remove the smoke and mirrors is I often now have, you know, I often have conversations quarterly with the entire agency kind of going over broad financials, talking about some of the mistakes that we've made as an agency some mistakes that I've made um, and how I'm going to fix them moving forward. And so I think that transparency needs to start at the internally at the agency and, And what it allows us to do is, you know, when the leaders are doing those things and saying those things, it allows our employees to feel like they can take those risks and push the envelope. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's so important in this digital space is being able to try new things, whether it be voice activated search or um, a new data partner that we're going to be looking at. And so knowing that, that it's okay to fail and that we believe in a transparent environment, um, nothing's hidden, right? So things fail, it, it's not a long failure, and we're able to re-correct it or, uh, you know, adjust accordingly. Um, and so I think from a, a culture standpoint, it's really about how do we kind of promote that transparency and that curiosity with our employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also know that, you know, I had a conversation with my managers yesterday, and, and he said, well, what, you know, um, one of his team members had mentioned that in five years that he didn't see himself here at decode. And I said, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really hope that we're able to give him the skill sets that he needs to go chase down his next dream. And I know mm-hmm. decode isn't always going to be the dream forever for everyone. And that's okay. Um, And so I think that's, I mean, I think that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, You know, we're just really trying to continually push the envelope and kind of discover what's next from a digital perspective while all keeping, you know, removing all the smoke and mirrors and so that clients understand what we're doing and why we're doing it.
0: You know, I think that's amazing. And that's why I love working with you and your team. Congratulations on building such an exceptional culture.
1: Well, thank you. I feel like I owe a lot of my success to you. I remember, I'm going to share a story when I think it was, maybe our fourth meeting and um, at the time I had another partner um, on the traditional side and, and who, who told me that um, nobody cares about the digital and that I should speak when spoken to only. (laughs) And, and, and you at one point turned to me and said, I want your opinion. I want your expertise. Um, And you asked me to speak up and I'm so grateful for that. And it really has shaped me. it is it is it was daunting you know at the time I think I was like 24 <laughs> um, and you know meeting with uh, you know a VP of marketing is, is you know a little intimidating and, and I was very worried I would say the wrong things and, and so I, I'm really grateful for that
0: oh absolutely I remember those days too everything was focused on the traditional side of marketing and I kept thinking well what about digital <laughs> anyway I'm glad we stuck together all these years
1: I know. I know. I, I'm so excited to see this new endeavor for you and, and, and really excited about it. Cause I think there's so many women that will benefit for it. And I just, I, you know, it's one of the things like we're looking to hire a new director and I'm like, I, I kind of want it, you know, I want to look at, cause right now I have um, three male leads and two female leads. Mm. And so I really want to make sure we have like a balance and, and so you know, I think that is such, you know, one of the things that I continually look at is kind of how to grow that and keep it moving forward. And I think with your your book and your course, I think, you know, I will have a plethora of, of team members potentially coming my way and, and, you know, giving them the skill sets to succeed will be huge.
0: Yeah. Well, I am just so excited about all of this.
1: I know. I, me too. Me too.
0: Well, thanks so much, Kathleen. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Creating Your Success Plan podcast. Be on the lookout for new episodes and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at CYSP System for news and updates. Thanks and here's to your success always.